I don't know if I've ever been as fired up as I am for the message you're about to hear. My name's Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor at Rice Church Denver, and I want to help you follow Jesus today. So make sure you listen to this message as we kick off a brand new series called Greater as we begin studying the book of Hebrews. So we're kicking off a new series today called Greater. Are you guys ready? Okay, this is gonna be greater than the last series. Um, no, this is gonna be good. Um, greater series. I am so pumped, so excited about this series because Christmas is great. There's so much fun things with the lights, with the traditions, with gifts, with friends and family. There's a lot of great things, but what we are talking about this month is something even greater. And it's the something that you need in your life. So today we are talking about the word of God. Who in here, can I see a show of hands, would love to hear from God? Who would like to hear from God? Wouldn't that be nice? I think every single one of us wants to hear from God. I'd like to hear a voice. I'd like to, to see an angel, to experience some powerful thing, and you're like, wow, that was God speaking to me. Even skeptics, unbelievers, atheists that I've talked with are like, if God would just talk to me, if he would just speak to me, then I know he was real. Even some people who call themselves Christians are like, well, I'd be a little more all in if God would just speak to me. I think every single one of us wants that, which would be nice. And God does that. He does have special encounters. Some of you have, have had them. But what I wanna tell you is that God has spoken. He has spoken clearly, profoundly, and powerfully in a way that is so clear that you can hear his voice. And that's what we're gonna see today because Jesus, get this, is greater than all. Jesus is greater than all. That's the name of our message today. It's our big idea today. And we are getting that from Hebrews chapter one. So this, this greater series is gonna be five weeks. It's gonna be the whole month of December, including that online only service. So I, I'm saying this because if you're brand new or if you're checking us out online for the very first time, I want you to commit to this five week series. Just say, hey, I'm gonna check out five messages. And if some of you are like, well, Matt, I'm not gonna be here. I'm traveling out of town. That's okay. We have uh, the podcast that you can subscribe. You can subscribe on YouTube. Some of you are like, Matt, I know I'm gonna be sick because I got three-year-olds. Okay, I get that. <laughs> okay, you can subscribe online. We have no excuse nowadays. You could be at home with strep throat, flu, and all of the COVIDs combined, and you can still join us online for, on YouTube or on the podcast app. Don't miss any of these five messages in this greater series because we are diving into a new book of the Bible called Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews, and it's not just what is brewed out in the coffee area. Okay, so Hebrews is a really powerful book of the Bible, and I'm so excited to dive in. I think every book I preach through is my favorite book, and this is no exception. I love the book of Hebrews. We're gonna be in chapter one, verses one through four today, and it is so rich, so powerful that we're only gonna get through four verses, and even that is, is tough for me, um, but it's gonna be good. If you have your Bible open there, if you have a smartphone, download the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, and on the bottom right-hand corner, there's, there's a button that says more. And in the middle of the screen, then it'll say event. Find our Rice Church Denver event. You can save the event there on your app so you can see the scripture we're gonna cover today and take notes right there on your phone. Hebrews chapter one. Um, so as we're diving into this, I want you to give you a little bit of uh, a taste of what this book is like. And, and the book of Hebrews, the title Hebrews is actually a longer title to the Hebrews. It was probably added a little bit later. In the original manuscripts, there was no title, but somebody along the lines is like, hey, we gotta know to, to tell the difference between this and some of the other books, so they labeled it to the Hebrews. And Hebrews, of course, were people with from Hebraic descent. And so this would have been Jewish people. 
So the author of this book is a Jew, just like most of the early Christians were, Jesus was a Jew. And they were coming out of this religion and, and now starting this thing that's brand new in Jesus. So this Jewish author is writing to these former Jews and he's writing to them and saying, hey, what we had in the past was amazing, incredible religion, incredible scriptures, and yet what is coming now is even greater. If I had to summarize the entire book, that's what it would be. What is coming now in Jesus is greater than all that has come before. All that's come before. And if you've noticed, I have not said the name of the author. Did you notice that? We actually do not know who wrote this letter. We don't know who wrote it, which there's a lot of speculation. Some of the early people, the earliest guess was that it was the apostle Paul. He wrote 13 other letters. Let's just add a 14th to the list. Okay, but I think there's some pretty clear evidence that it was not Paul. It doesn't sound like Paul. It doesn't read like Paul. There's something that we're gonna see, I think, next week that I say makes it pretty clear that it wasn't Paul who wrote this letter, but we don't know who it was. Like I said, lots of speculation. You could read some stuff online. You can guess for yourself to, to know who he or she is. Okay, we really don't know who wrote it. It's anonymous because I think they wanted to point out that Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. So here is this author writing, and he's writing now, if we can start in verse one, we read together, he says, or she says, we'll just say he, because it's easier. Um, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he, God, has spoken to us by his son. See, God has spoken through his son. In the past, God spoke through our ancestors, through the prophets, and many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. What our author is telling us is that God has spoken many times, many times and in many different ways. God spoke to people, the ancestors that he's going back to the very beginning. God spoke to Adam and Eve. God spoke to Noah. God spoke to Abraham, calling him out among all the peoples of the earth. God called and then spoke to his, his descendants as well, to Jacob and to Isaac. God spoke to Moses as he encountered him on the mountain. God has spoken to individuals. God has spoken through prophets as well. The uh, people who wrote our historical books of the Bible, people like Moses, the, the, the writing of Joshua, Samuel, these were considered prophets as well as they wrote down the history of God's people. God is speaking through them the history of those people. But God also spoke to people who we know of as prophets, people like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, who have these massive books of the Bible that some of you have never even read all the way because they're very long. And God was speaking through these people as his spokespeople. There's also some lesser known prophets, prophets like Haggai, Habakkuk, Obadiah. Yeah, those are books of the Bible too, right? God spoke through lots of different people at various times. God also spoke through the giving of the law. When Moses was on the mountain, God's finger literally came down and wrote on the stone, the two tablets, the 10 commandments. And then God spoke through Moses a whole bunch of other laws about how God's people should live. God spoke in some bizarre ways too. He spoke once to Moses through a burning bush. Can you imagine that? God also spoke through angels. At one point with Elijah, there was a huge earthquake. And then after that, a small whisper was how God spoke. God even at one time spoke through a donkey. I like to remember that when I get full of myself. If God can use an ass, 
He can use me too, right? Okay, it's not, it doesn't make me that special. God has spoken in lots of different ways, and that's why he says God has spoken through the prophets at many times and in various ways. God has spoken again and again and again. He's spoken through our scriptures. At this point, they would have had what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, and God spoke. It says that the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, carried along the human authors as they wrote. God has spoken in all those different ways. He's spoken through kings, like Solomon, who wrote great wisdom, or David, who wrote, wrote great poetry and songs. He's even spoken through some poor peasants and shepherds, like Amos. God has spoken in all sorts of different ways. And yet it says, verse two, but, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In all of human history, there is now a changeover. Something is shifting in all of history. God has spoken in those other ways, but now he has spoken in a newer, fresher, better, greater way, his son, Jesus. God is saying, hey, if it wasn't obvious enough when I wrote with my finger, when I sent the angels, when I shook the earth, if that wasn't enough, I will come down in human form so that when you look at my son, Jesus, you will see and hear from me. Jesus is the word become flesh, God's word. God has spoken in the clearest, most powerful way possible if you look to Jesus. And that's why we need to look at Jesus, who is greater than all. And in our message today, in these next three verses, we're gonna see seven different reasons why Jesus is greater than all. Are you guys ready for this? Seven reasons why Jesus is greater than all. And I wanna read this passage first, and then we're going to dissect those seven reasons. So let's look at verse two together. We read, but in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. In case you're wondering where I get the word greater, it's a synonym for superior, okay? Jesus is greater than all. So here are the seven reasons. You ready for this? Reason number one, Jesus is king of all. It's the first thing we see in this passage. Jesus is king of all. And these first four verses, in, in case you didn't know this, in the Greek, it's just one really long, beautiful, complex sentence. And in this one sentence, this author, man, he is good. He writes that Jesus is king of all. And in verse two, if we pick it up in the second half of that verse, talking about God's son, his son, whom God appointed the heir of all things. The heir of all things. What is the heir? The person who receives the inheritance. Now, some of you are thinking inheritance and you're like, oh yeah, that $1,500 in that box of knickknacks that my grandma left me. Okay, no. Okay, something a little better than that. What it's talking here is actually royal language. A king writing to his son who would inherit all things. And when a king is passing on to his son who would inherit all things, what he's talking about is passing on the kingdom. 
I think it's pretty convincing that the author is referring to that because just three verses later in verse five, he quotes Psalm chapter two. This author knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards, and he's quoting Psalm 2, a royal psalm. And this is why I think he's referring to this, because in Psalm chapter 2, verse 8, we read, Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession, as the Father writes to the Son, who is now becoming king. So this king is not just taking over one kingdom, right? It says, the nations, This is all the nations of the entire planet. It's the 195 countries that we have on our planet right now, plus the two that aren't really recognized internationally, plus all of the nations that came before in all of human history and all that will come before Jesus arrives again. All of those nations are now Jesus's inheritance, meaning he rules over all of them. And even places that do not have someone ruling over them, like the the North Pole with the ice caps, or the Mariana Trench, the depths of the ocean, Jesus is king over them. That's why the Dutch theologian Abraham Kuyper said this. He said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Every square inch of our planet belongs to Jesus. He is king of all. And every square inch of your life, Jesus is king of as well. He has inherited all of it. So if Jesus is the king of your life, he should be the king over your heart. Some people are like, oh, I'm just gonna follow my heart. Okay, no, no, follow Jesus who rules over your heart. Jesus needs to rule over your relationships as well. You can't just say, well, who I am in love with, you know, what happens in the bedroom? No, 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 Jesus is king over your bedroom, over your relationships, Jesus is king over your household as well, the way you parent your kids, the way you treat them with respect and love them. Jesus is king over the money in your bank account, meaning how you spend it this holiday season and how you're generous to give away what he has given you. Jesus is king over your bank account. There's not one square inch of our entire universe that does not belong to Jesus. Jesus is king of all. That's the first thing, Jesus is king of all. The second thing we learn from our passage is that Jesus is creator of all. Jesus is creator of all. It says uh, he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made, God made the universe. Things through Jesus, through the son, God created the universe. Jesus is creator of all. If you remember back to the very beginning of the Bible, it starts out by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Some of you are like, well, where's Jesus there? We'll keep reading. Because the way God created was that he spoke and the universe leapt into existence. He spoke and the sun and the moon were hung in its place. He spoke and animals began to crawl along the ground. He spoke and human beings came into existence. That word that God spoke was Jesus himself the word, before he ever became human. We know this because one of Jesus' followers, John, writes at the beginning of his gospel, alluding back to the beginning, he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That word 
became flesh. We know him as Jesus. Jesus was there weaving together everything in the universe. This is incredible. If Jesus is the creator of all, he's not just some good dude. A lot of people are like, oh, he's a great man of history. No, no, no. He's not just up there with Confucius and Buddha and Tom Cruise, okay? (laughs) Jesus is greater than all because he is creator of all. Jesus is creator of all. The third thing we learn in our passage is that Jesus is all glory. He's all glory. Verse three says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. He's the radiance of God's glory. This word glory here goes back to the Hebrew word kavod, which means weight. There's a heaviness and a power to the glory of God. That's why when the glory of God filled the temple, people are are falling down. It's why when Moses spent time with the glory of God on the mountain, he had to wear a veil because his face was radiating. But now it's just not a radiation because someone has spent time with the glory of God. Jesus actually is the glory of God. It tells us in John 1, as John continues, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. That's who Jesus is, the full glory of God. And this is the thing, if you've ever encountered the glory of God, and a lot of people have, even people that aren't Christians, they don't even know what they experienced. They just had some profound experience. And what you experience is one, the truth, the power that knocks you on your knees and you are almost terrified of the weight of this God. It's full of truth. Your soul is laid bare. It's why when Jesus finally figured out, or Peter finally figured out who Jesus was, he fell on his knees and and said, away from me, I'm a sinner. Because he was revealed to him how powerful this God is. It's the fear of God. And yet at the same time, That glory is full of grace. And in that moment, you might be terrified, but you are also knowing that you are accepted and loved unlike ever before. There's a sweetness to the glory of God to know in that moment, God loves you. And that all combined in Jesus, the word became flesh, full of grace and truth, the very glory of God. It says that he, he is the radiance of God's glory. That's like a, a light shining brightly. That's what that word means. Jesus isn't a reflection of the sun. He's the sun itself, full of glory. Jesus is all glory. And Jesus also, our fourth point, is all God. Jesus is all God. It says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The exact representation of his being. That word there is like the imprint that would have been put into a coin. What's imprinted is exactly what's on the stamp. That's who Jesus is. He's the exact representation of our father in heaven. This word being that's used here too is an important word for us as Christians really important for us. Because some of you are like, how the heck does that make sense? You're talking about God, and then you're talking about Jesus. How can he be God? Isn't there somebody up in heaven? Who is he talking to? Okay, I'm glad you asked. Because what the scriptures teach us is that 
Our God is a triune God. He's a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And though there are three persons, there is one God, one being. The word being here could be translated as substance or essence. So there's one being, three persons. One substance, one essence, three persons. And if you're saying, Matt, that sounds complicated. Of course it is. We're talking about God. If he were simple and easy to understand, he wouldn't be God. This is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together. One essence, three persons. The best analogy I've heard for this, and all analogies break down, the best one I've heard is the idea of a word. Okay, uh, think of a word. Shout out a noun, somebody. Somebody, a noun. Dog. Okay. So let's think about a dog. You have a concept in your head now of a dog, right? That word has a concept tied to it. You're thinking of Fluffy, right? Or whoever that dog is. There's a concept. That's the first part. But then there's also a word attached to it. D-O-G or double G if that's your thing, right? Okay. There's a word and that word conveys the concept. But then as I speak the word dog, what you hear is actually the vibrations coming out of my voice and out of these speakers going into your ears. It's a, it's a sound wave. So which one of those three things is a word? Well, it's all of them, right? It's the concept. It's the word itself, plus it's the vibrations that carry that word to someone's ear. In the same way, you cannot separate Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are always together, and yet they're always eternally distinct. And in that way, we know that Jesus, though he came down in human flesh, he was still 100% God and 100% human. It says that he emptied himself of that Godhood while he was here, living as a human. He chose not to take advantage of his God nature, but he was always God and is always God. So when Jesus came down, he is all God. And this is important because some of you are like, I wish I could know what God is like. You can, his name is Jesus. You wanna know what God is like? Study Jesus, follow Jesus, read about Jesus, pray to Jesus, and he will reveal to you who God is. Jesus is all God. Jesus is all God. Our fifth point is that Jesus is also sustainer of all. He is the sustainer of all things. That's what it says as you keep reading in verse three. It says that he is sustaining all things by his powerful word. He's sustaining all things by his powerful word. This means that Jesus wasn't there at the beginning to create all things. And he wasn't just like a watchmaker. He makes it and winds it up and then gives you the watch. A lot of people think of God that way. Like he created the natural laws. He created evolution and then just kind of let the ball keep rolling. But it says here that Jesus is actually sustaining all of those things all along. He's carrying along everything that is and he holds all things together. It's in him we live, move, and have our being. So I want everyone right now to take in a breath of air. Now breathe it out. Jesus gave you that air to breathe. He is sustaining you every single moment of your life. He is with you. That's why Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Father. Well, who is the word? Jesus. That's why he called himself the bread of life, the living water. Who and what we need for sustenance. Jesus sustains us. 
This means that when you were in your mother's womb and God was knitting you together, Jesus is there sustaining you. And when you were born and you lived your life, every breath you take, Jesus is sustaining you. And when you give up your last breath, do you know who's gonna be there to carry you along to the next place? Jesus, who said he would come back to take us to be where he is in his father's house. Jesus is the sustainer of all things, meaning in our relationship with him, we must rely on him. That's why Jesus taught us, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to be more and more aware that he is the sustainer of us. He's the sustainer of all. And the sixth thing we learn in our passage is that Jesus is savior of all. Savior of all. It says, after he had provided purifications for sin, after he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He's talking about the father there, the majesty in heaven. Well, what is purifications for sins? This is one of the key themes in this entire book of Hebrews. Purification, why do you need to be purified? You're dirty. It's polluted. It's bad. And every single one of us, even if you don't know what sin is, knows you have some impurities and problems in your life. You have some bad things that you have done. Things that you knew better and you still did anyways. That you hurt people knowingly and unknowingly. The Bible calls those things sin because we are going away from the way God wants us to live. That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have impurities in ourselves. We're all polluted and we need someone to clean us up, wash us and purify us. And that is what Jesus does for us. You know, when someone sins against you, when someone hurts you, what do you wanna do? Get them back, get even, get justice. And if you don't, do you know what you're doing? You're absorbing that sin inside yourself. That's what happens when you forgive someone. You choose not to get even with them. They deserve to, this bad thing because they did something bad to me. If you've ever had to forgive someone, you know it's hard because you're absorbing that sin within yourself. And that's exactly what Jesus did as he went up on the cross. He was the sacrifice. And when he shed his blood, when his body was broken, what we remember in communion is that he took all of our sin upon himself. He who had no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took all that sin upon us so that when we receive him as our savior, our sins are washed away. Our impurities are removed from us. We are made clean, pure, spotless, white as snow. See, Jesus is the savior of all who would believe. And that is very good news. And I love that says he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Don't you love that? He sat down forever. Did you know this, that song we sang, which is an Arise original? I don't know if you knew that. The second song today. It says that he, he's sitting forever. Why is it good news that Jesus is sitting forever? Okay, some of you are like, that sounds good. If you're a parent at the end of a day, you're like, I could sit forever. At the end of a hard work week, I could just sit forever. No, no, it's good because you sit down when you're done. And Jesus sat down because the last words he said on the cross were, it is finished. I'm done, I can sit now because 
everything has been accomplished. The priests had to keep standing in the temple over and over to offer another sacrifice because they were imperfect people too, just like us. But Jesus was perfect. And when he offered himself as the final sacrifice, he sat down, it is finished. All of your sins, past, present, and future are removed from you in the one-time event of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus is the savior of all. And the seventh thing our passage tells us very clearly is that Jesus is greater than all. It says in verse four, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. That word superior means better, it means greater. There are angelic beings, supernatural beings. You might not see them, you might not know they're there, but Jesus is greater than them. He's greater than all. This means the greatest person that you know, who you get around them and you're kind of excited, who you spend thousands and thousands of dollars to be in the front row to see Taylor Swift. Jesus is greater than Taylor Swift. Okay? I got too many amens on that one, okay. Jesus is greater than whoever will win the next election next year. That might not be so hard, okay. (laughs) Jesus is greater than the Republican party and the Democratic party. Jesus is greater than the United States of America, which is the greatest country on the face of the planet, okay? Jesus is greater than that. Jesus is greater than everything and anyone in your life. He's greater than you. He's greater than your problems. If you're suffering and struggling, if you have depression or anxiety, Jesus is greater than them. If you're missing someone you love this holiday season, Jesus is greater than that. He's greater than death. Jesus is greater than anything and everything in our entire universe. Jesus is greater than all. And that's what we learn from this book in just four verses. Jesus is greater than all. And it's why Jesus is the one we should listen to, we should follow, we should obey, we should worship, and we should give our lives to. Because Jesus and Jesus alone is greater than all. And I think we need to worship him together, don't you? So would you please stand on on your feet right now? I want us to just sing together. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Sing that again. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Okay, let's close our eyes right now. And I want you to picture Jesus because he is that great God. And let's sing that one more time. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. 
may be seated. Lord God, we are so grateful that you are great and that you were so great that you didn't just stay in glory, but you came down in the form of a human being, of a baby, helpless in a manger. So Jesus, we worship you. We follow you and we wanna become like you. Help us to remember who you truly are, greater than all. Now with eyes closed, there are some of you in here who maybe for the first time are hearing this, or maybe for the first time understanding this. And let me tell you that you need Jesus to be your king and your savior. If you want that purification of sins, if you want eternal life with him forever, you have to declare him as your king and savior. And the scriptures tell us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you've got to call on his name. And we offer you an opportunity right now to do that by repeating this prayer after me. So if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody around you who needs to pray this for the first time. Please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Save me. Purify me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is king. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me to follow you and serve you for the rest of my life. All right, with nobody looking around with eyes closed, if you made that prayer for the first time, we wanna celebrate with you and we actually have a little book that we put together to give you, to encourage you in your next few steps of following Jesus and learning about him. So if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, if Jesus today for the first time is your king and savior, would you put your hand in the air on the count of three? One, two, three, put your hand in the air. And I see this hand, hold that hand up. We see a couple hands, let's celebrate. Can we breathe, there's, there's one right here. Can we give the books to these people? Lord God, we are grateful that you are in the, the business of saving lives. And I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to purify us, continue to make us holy and like your son, Jesus. Help us to follow him and have the strength to do that every day of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I'm Matt Wolf, lead pastor at Arise Church Denver, and we're all about helping people follow Jesus. And we wanna help you follow Jesus. Because of that, if you're newish, even if you're just checking us out online, go down below in the description and fill out that form at arisedenver.com new. And if this message has impacted you at all, please go to arisedenver.com give so that you can give back and help more people find out the message of Jesus Christ.